Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? Inside the electric factory for the next two hours on a Wednesday. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes, back from Arizona with you here on the Blitz. Motesy. What's the word, baby? I missed you on Victory Monday. Man, I just got to say it one time for you to victory! Way too long, bro. So we're making a victory Wednesday today. Is that every, cool? every day's a? No, is that cool I, with you? I guess I can't say every day's a Wednesday. Can I say that still? Yeah, maybe it's a victory Wednesday for us. Absolutely, I'm living it, loving it. It's not a victory Wednesday for a former Steelers wide receiver on Twitter. Nah, bro. But we ain't got no time for that. Mm-mm. Arthur Motes, you were out in Arizona. You saw it with your own two eyes. You were part of the Stiller Nation takeover. Oh, yes, sir. At what? It's called State Farm Stadium now? It's not the University of Phoenix Correct. anymore. Yeah, it's State, yeah, State Farm Stadium. Arthur Motes, from 1-4 and four to 8-5. and five. What a ride. I did not expect to be having this much fun. When you and I sat there after week two... Right, and you and I got that news five minutes before we went on air. The news broke that Ben Roethlisberger was going to be out for the rest of the season. We, I did not expect to be having this much fun. I did not expect the Steelers to be in this position. Yeah, man, I agree with you. And we got criticized for it, but that was mainly due to the quarterback situation. And we thought from a significant standpoint that Mason Rudolph wasn't going to be able to play up to the caliber of a Ben, even though the organization and fans were trying to tell us otherwise. But – Prove that we were correct in that regard. Yeah, we got some. Uh, <sighs> we got some. I don't know. Hate might be a little too strong of a term, but some, there were some, some passionate disagreements. Yes. I'll say. But hindsight being twenty twenty, I guess we were correct in terms of the oh, QB again, situation. Correct in our analysis. Yeah, but shout out to the defense, though, man. They've done just a phenomenal job. Shout out to the coaching staff. When you talk about yeah. this being a quarterback-driven league, and. They are finding ways. They've won, what, seven of their last eight. It's crazy. They they control their own destiny, and they've done this with essentially their second and fourth string quarterback mm-hmm. because people like to compare this situation to what Ron Rivera was doing with the Panthers. Oh, they had Kyle Allen. No, Kyle Allen was their number two quarterback. Will Greer is their third quarterback. Mm-hmm. These guys Will started- Greer from? Yeah, Dovey who? <laughs> But it started out with Ben. He gets hurt six quarters into the season. Then six they go Mason Rudolph. Into the season. Then they go Mason Rudolph. But remember, Josh Dobbs was the third quarterback that they traded away. Mm-hmm. They cut Duck coming out of camp mm-hmm. and had to bring him back. And now they've won what three with him now? Mm-hmm. The, and what essentially the well, excuse me. They well, I guess you could include four if his yeah, the Bengals game Bengals where he came in for Mason. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's won four games. Like it's just crazy to think how drastically the situation turned and the way that they've been able to do it too they weren't pretty wins they've been gritty they've been ugly they've been nail biters and and you and i have talked about this a little bit before i think it's maybe the most impressive thing is that it's like every week they they come up with they they get in the kitchen and cook up a different formula to be successful offensively defensively and uh, even on special teams yes you saw obviously the 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 most eye-popping example was when they came out and ran the Wildcat against the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you saw them do something like take Matt Filer, 
and move him from right tackle to guard to be Correct. for the matchup against Aaron Donald. You saw, again, the outside of the box thinking the Steelers win a coin toss in overtime and kick the ball. Correct. I mean, you've seen it with Mason. You've seen it with Duck. You've seen it with James Conner and Benny Snell no, 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 and Jalen no. Samuels. I'll take it one step further. Number 72 is eligible. He, <laughs> yeah. He's literally run three routes this season. Most of the time, when you have an extra O-lineman that comes in, they are strictly using him to be a in-line yes. point-of-attack blocker. Whatever side he's on, that's where the ball's going. They pull this guy. They have him line up in, as a wing. Duck pup fake to him listen, on listen. Sunday against the they, Cardinals. They had him aligned as a wing. Uh, I believe it was versus the Browns, and he pulled across the formation to block somebody. Do you know how crazy that is to see a 300-pound man lined up as a wing, as in not even online tight end, off the ball, and go all the way across the formation to block somebody? That's insane. But that's the type of stuff they're cooking up, and that's why they're being so successful in finding ways to get the job done. They aren't, they're not falling into the trap of it has to be a certain way. It has right. to look a certain way. And that's what we always talk about when we talk about the Steelers organization. They marched to the beat of their own drum. When people were saying they should be zigging, they were zagging. Mm-hmm. When people were saying they should be going right, they went left. And when people criticized Coach Tomlin at the beginning of the year when they were sitting at 1-4 and four and said that he should be fired, now they've changed to, oh, man, he's a Coach of the Year candidate. He should be the favorite for it. Like, this is – this is Pittsburgh. This is what the Steelers do historically. You talk about zigging when when people think you're going to zag. How about trading your first round draft pick for the first time in 50, 60 years? Absolutely. Right after your franchise quarterback goes down. Nobody expected that. And, and people were strongly against that as well. Yeah. Y'all are crazy. That could be a top three pick. Remember, that was the conversation for a while. Mm-hmm. Is Minka Fitzpatrick worth the top three, top five pick? I think he proved that he's worth yes. that and then some. And I think there's the Steelers have proved there's no chance that they were ever in danger of picking that high in the first place. Not a chance. And, and once again, Coach Thomas secures his what fourteenth winning season now. Thirteen. Thirteen. Excuse me. Thirteenth winning season now. And even with that, tied I just, for second most all time to start a career. And the thing that I loved is this: when we talked about he's never had a losing season this season when they were struggling at one and four, people were like I don't care. He sucks as a coach. He's a product of Bill Cowher's players and Ben Roethlisberger. That's what I was told on numerous occasions. Don't give me the, oh, he's never had a losing season when he's always had a Hall of Fame quarterback. The reason why everybody would say John Harbaugh is better than him is because what? He does more with less. That's what the conversation was. You're seeing him now. No Hall of Fame quarterback. He's one of the games with, you name the guy at running back. It could have been me and you back there. That's the type of, like, no disrespect to those guys, but... At the time, nobody knew who these players were. No, they were. plucked them off other teams' practice squads. Wide receivers, same situation. But he's find he he's finding ways to win week in and week out. He finds ways to get the most out of these players week in and week out. And I tell people, too, when we talk about the motivational element, remember when he's being called a player's coach, they kind of use it as like a derogatory term for him. Oh, he's a player's coach. He needs to be more like Belichick. Don't be their friends. This is why being a player coach works so well though Mm -hmm. because when you have that type of connection when you have your finger on the pulse of a team when you know what motivates guys or not you're able to get so much more out of lesser talented players and that's what you're seeing right now and that's directly related to him and his closeness because when you have a, a personal connection you're willing to do whatever it takes and you believe in whatever that person says and that's why you're getting guys like Kareth White coming in playing like he's playing, Deion Kane playing like he's playing. I mean, you see it, the list goes on. 
and that's the thing that I'm loving right now, man, just watching this masterpiece take place. Yeah, and you've seen – I like how you mentioned the how he's got his finger on the pulse of this team so well and has, I feel like, since the beginning of the season. I think you've seen that fleshed out in some of the reports, some of the quotes that we've heard from guys in the last few weeks. Like, right, like there was two weeks ago um, when Duck was getting ready to make the start after the Bengals game, right? So when he was back with the week of preparation as the starter, right? Kind of mm-hmm. like he was for the first time since the Cardinals game. Mike Tomlin said, listen, I didn't do anything extra with Duck. You know, if I was having all these extra meetings, if I was putting out all this extra stuff, if we were uh, doing a bunch of different things that we normally don't do with our quarterbacks in a game prep week, maybe that 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 wouldn't be keeping things normal. That wouldn't be me showing my confidence in, in Duck, right? Yes. It would be like, oh man, now I got to babysit him. Now I got to babysit him. Right Correct. now, nitpick, nitpick, and everything he did. Coach Tomlin said I, I let him go through it like he normally would without doing anything extra to show that I had confidence in him. When at the same time, you hear the stories about how Mike Tomlin's been more involved with the secondary and their mm-hmm. meetings and their X's and O's and their coaching this year. That's the perfect balance right there of what you just said of a head coach who pulling the right strings, making the right calls, has his finger on the pulse of this team. He knows when to back off. He knows when to pile on. He knows when to pump guys' tires. He knows yeah. He knows maybe when, when they need a little swift kick in the butt. I, I, it's... It has been incredible to watch it all play out this season, how the narrative has kind of changed in season. And that's what I wonder, Motsi. I feel like a lot of times when we give coaches credit, like an exorbitant amount of credit, right? right? Because, hey, I think people in this town have always been pretty quick to point out, man, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. As a head coach in the National Football League, that's really hard to do. But, but, but there's also granted, there's also Man. the people who take it for granted. So when we get into times like this where we are, you know, giving love, throwing accolades at Mike Tomlin and the rest of the coaching staff for the job that they've done this year, it feels like the times that we do that, there's two situations in sports, I feel like, where we really give head coaches a lot of love. The first is where a team just exceeds expectations. Right, like maybe the Niners are a good example of that this year. Nobody expected the Niners to be doing what they're doing this year coming into the year. Kyle Shanahan is rightfully getting a lot of love because of that. Because I think a lot of people thought, okay, the Niners could be a seven, eight, nine win team, something mm-hmm. like that, where in actuality they've got a chance to finish with the best record in the league. That's the first situation where we give coaches a lot of love, where teams exceed expectations that we had for them going into the year. I think the second situation is what we're seeing in Pittsburgh right now, where overcoming obstacles that manifest themselves throughout the season, whether it be injuries, losing guys, suspension, you know, whatever it could be, a litany of different things that you don't see coming into the year that you're able to overcome. Things like losing your franchise quarterback, like losing Stephon to it, like all the injuries that the Steelers have had on offense and defense, like losing your wide receiver coach during training camp. Absolutely, I think... Mike Tomlin has done such a phenomenal job of the latter, right? The, man, so many of these obstacles, so many of these hurdles that we didn't see coming into the season, right? It's not like the Steelers started their, you know, their 100-yard dash and you could see all these hurdles out there on the track. No, these hurdles have been thrown out as the Steelers have gone along. (laughs) And and, and here they are again. They've won seven of their last eight games, eight and five in the driver's seat uh, for a wild card spot. Yeah, I, in the way, Motsi, here's where I'm going with all this, in the way that people still give Bill Belichick credit for that Matt Castle season. Yes. Right? Like, man, look at Bill Belichick and all the success he's had elsewhere, and it'll be the same way with Tomlin. 
but we'll always talk about that man. Look what he was able to do with Duck, and look what he did with Matt, Matt Castle in that season. Look what he look what he did with with Duck and all those injuries in that season. Regardless of what happens postseason, wherever the Steelers go, if they're one and done, if they end up going on a run, we will talk about this team and this Mike Tomlin coaching job in this town for a while. Absolutely, and it definitely should be that way though, because like I said, the culture of the NFL right now. It's quarterback driven. We talk about how the quarterback is the most important position on the field. But yet they are finding ways to win regardless of that position, <laughs> regardless of the productivity associated with that position. That does not happen. Nope. You can go team for team around the league. We talk about the Bears and how their Achilles heel is who? Mitch Trubisky. Mm-hmm. We talk and when about, he plays well, look at how good they look, yes. like you saw on Thursday. Absolutely. We've talked about how with the Carolina Panthers, when Kyle Allen looked good, their team was winning. When he started looking bad, they, their coach got fired. We talk about – I mean, it's crazy. Man, it's, but it's, true. It's, it's true. man. It's true. Like, these are the things that – even Jacksonville, yeah. when, when Garner Minshew, when he was playing well, they looked good. Look man. at how the opinion of the Vikings sways with how Kirk Cousins yes, plays. Your, your boy – actually, my boy Kirk Cousins. It's man. your boy now. We'll get to Best it. of the West Wednesday. Yeah, we'll, we'll see we, whose we'll boy is this it. week. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> but those are the things that when you just watch, it's like, that's why – this season has to go down as one of his best coaching jobs because this is the first time in his career where you wipe out any excuse that people want to have, all the Tomlin haters, any excuse you have, what what, what are you going to say now? Because initially it was, like you said, he has Cowboys players. Then it was you always had a Hall of Fame quarterback. What what are you going to say now? You have zero to say. And he's doing it with his specialty, the defense. Mm -hmm. He is a defensive coach, and he is showing – that he has an elite-level defense. And that's the thing that I love, too, because let's be real. If the offense was going out there and lighting it up and the defense still playing bad, then they'd be like, oh, he's getting carried by Randy Feekner in the offense. That's the only <laughs> thing that's going on right now. So I definitely it's love – funny how that works. Right. Man. It's all about the narrative, according to, you know, people. I, I've i always loved the Bill Cower narrative, which, okay, fine. If Tomlin won with Cower's players, <laughs> right. so you're telling me he didn't – what, two years? What took Bill Cowher 20 years to do? I mean, then why didn't Bill Cowher win more with those right. players? And then you'll get back to the, well, ben Cow- Bill Cowher never had Ben Roethlisberger as a quarterback. It's just, so, you know, you can't please some people. You know how sad it is. Bill, you know, Bill Cowher never had a Hall of Fame quarterback. Whenever he got one, he won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then, right, what you and I have also talked about, eh, give give Mike Tomlin and his, and, and, and his staff uh, some credit for their talent procurement yes. abilities as well, too, in a lot of these – uh, T.J. Watt in mm. in late first round and Cam yeah. Hayward in late first round. Yeah. Well, technically Bud Dupree. Bud Dupree, too. Yeah, too. Yeah. Look at the offensive side of the football and the yeah. Juju Smith-Schusters and the James Connors mm. and the litany of offensive linemen and the Antonio yes, Browns indeed. and the Emmanuel Sanders. Is mm-hmm. is is. It's been yeah. uh, it, it's it's been certainly again. I, <laughs> there was um a radio host, I'm trying to remember who, but he was a radio host in Dallas who tweeted out on Monday, right? The Steelers are 8-5, and five, the Cowboys are 6-7. and seven. <laughs> Explain to me in five words how this is possible. <laughs> uh, and I tweeted back to him, I said, I don't even need five, I only need three. Organiza- organizational stability matters. Mm-hmm. From the owner, to the general manager, to the head coach, all the way down through the people serving the meals in the cafeteria, through the radio hosts <laughs> on the air. Organizational stability matters, and I think everything the steel, you know, it, it it obviously comes from the top down. Mike Tomlin is on Sundays; he is the 
the beacon, the the maestro of that stability. But it starts obviously with Mr. Rooney, with Mr. Colbert, with Mike Tomlin, everybody beneath them. And man, I just think you're you're seeing an organization that knows how to prepare, has people in place that they trust to do their jobs, has a formula, right, of we never really go all in, we, then that way we never have to rebuild, we're going to contend every year, right? We think we have a process here that has worked for us for decades and we believe in it. And, man, all that is coming to fruition. They are, they are reaping the fruits of, of, you know, just all the hard work and all the attention to detail that they have had for decades. Absolutely, and that's the thing that's beautiful. Though. When you talk about that detail, when you talk about that continuity, when you talk about organizational stability, I remember coming from Buffalo saying that that was the thing that drew me here the most. Joe like, Hayden said that. Yes. From when he came from Cleveland and, to here. And, and, and you could have got money, more money, other places. But understanding, hey, man, this is rare here. You're not going to find this anywhere else. This is unique, and, and, and it attracts you here. Because you know that you're never going to have those type of just fall off type seasons because that's not how they operate. They have things in order. If somebody leaves, somebody gets hurt, they have a method that they stick with. They're not going to just turn their back on a coach when he's sitting at one and four after losing his franchise quarterback like some teams have Mm -hmm. done. They're not going to do that. They're not going to, hey, man, they lost in the playoffs. Let's let's fire the coach. Like Levy Smith, you saw in Chicago, you saw that turn out for those guys. They're not going to do that. That's not how they operate. And in turn, that's why you get the longevity. That's why you have one of the most storied and respected franchises in NFL history because of how they work, because of how they operate, and because of the people that they employ. They're very strategic with the guys they bring in, and it shows. It shows not only in the on-field product but off the field as well. They make sure that they keep these guys to a certain standard, and that's the thing I love about it. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at Dabody52. Dabody. Where Gordon says, victory Wednesday for the rest of the season. All right, if Gordon says it, we'll take it. Victory. Victory. Inside the Electric Factory, Arthur Motes back in the saddle with us here. He was out in Arizona. So what did he see from that still a nation, that Yinza takeover out there in Arizona? And, you know, we got to talk about that defense a little bit. Another just five-star showing. From the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, we'll get into all that as well as your reaction on Twitter when we return. Inside the Electric Factory, it's Euler Remotes on a Wednesday. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Fresh back from Arizona, the Electric Factory is back in session. Mm-hmm. I, I miss you on Monday, man. You know, man, I missed you too, man. You know, I was en route, but then you wanted to go ahead, and bump up, and get on early and stuff like that. You know, I can't. Come on, man. I was on the. I was in the air at ten a.m. You know, jeez. <laughs> you know how it goes around here. Yeah. I punch, do whatever Tunch and Wolf do, the rest of us just fall into line. You're right. <laughs> Oh, no, they, they said, you you on at 10? All right. Guess Punch a wolf, take then. it off Monday. Guess we're on at 10 then. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm flying back like, oh, I'm going to be straight for this 12 o'clock. Oh, you said 10? Yeah, bro. Uh, just to give you happen. a uh, just to give you a little heads up, mm-hmm. listen, I'm, you know, I'm not the judge and the jury here, 
but but I got a feeling on Monday, this coming Monday, we probably might another 10 a.m. Another 10 a.m. <laughs> you know, Touch and Wolf that late night game against the Bills, and yeah. they're, oh, they're, man. they're not gonna want to be troubled to be on the air Monday plus, morning. Plus the travel time of like yeah. having to go to Heinz, then go home, and then make it back to the South Side yeah. by 10. Oh, yes, that's tough. It's a lot of running around for those oh, fellas. That's tough. So I don't know anything for sure, but you might catch Moats and I uh, say shots fired. <laughs> You might catch Moats and I in, uh, in the oh, locker room man. on Monday morning, but we'll That's see. Funny. We'll see. Uh, on Twitter, at Wes Euler, at TheBody52. The body. Arthur Moats, you were out in Arizona. Uh, you've been to, let's see, you did not go to the Chargers game, correct? Correct. I was in but San Fran. But you did the San Fran as well, AZ, too. Cleveland. Yeah. And obviously, you were part of the Steelers, so during your time as a player, you saw Steeler Nation take over a lot of stadiums. Mm-hmm. What was Sunday? Where does Sunday rank on that pecking order in your mind? Man, Sunday is right up there with the best of them, baby. And it started that whole weekend, though. Yeah. Like, literally, I got into town Friday. Everywhere from the flights over, you go into different restaurants. Black and gold, black and gold. Black and gold everywhere. Saturday, Harrow's, 3,000, just... Stealing nation fans out there going nuts. You get to Sunday, literally the drive in, because obviously I do the tailgating and stuff, just packed. By the time we got in there, and it was funny because we're walking in, and the lady I'm walking in with, she notices that the Cardinals are handing out these red towels. She's like, What is this? I'm like, Yeah, so, you know, I was in Pittsburgh, we got these terrible, mm-hmm. you know, the, these terrible towels, and everybody tries to, Hey, man, we got to give all something to combat that. Yeah, they've got the dangerous rag yeah, in Cleveland. So, so they call it the the Red Sea rag or whatever. Man, obviously when the game starts, you just see terrible towels That's swinging it. the whole time. That's it. And, and it, would, it would get so loud. But we were laughing because obviously at home, you know to get loud when we're on defense. Sure. Not when we're on offense and defense. Yeah. Out in AZ, they were just like, we're going to make sure that we drown out any Cardinals fan. So it's times where – Shh! No, they're going crazy, loud, <laughs> offense, defense, the whole time. Just towels swinging, everybody in there black and gold. It was just nuts. And then after the game, man, it was like a like I said, man, just the the full on parking lot takeover after the game. Renegades playing everywhere. Nobody leaving, no, just nobody, hanging out just, and having a good time, just living it up, throwing man. some meats back on the grill. No question, man. It was it was a beautiful sight to see, man. A beautiful sight to be a part of as well. And that's the thing that. You just got the love about Steeler Nation, just how they are everywhere. And the thing, too, with that, you had a good amount that traveled there, but it's a ton of Steeler fans Displaced. that live in AZ there. Yeah. That, yeah, they moved there. So you get that chance to see all of them. And for them, they love it because this is their once in, what, four or five years yeah. where they excuse me, where they get a chance to see Pittsburgh in person. So, yeah, man, the atmosphere was just nuts. But for me, man, I think back. Like I said, even San Diego, yeah. we played there a couple of years ago. Same concept. Obviously, San Fran early this year, same concept. Like, it's just so those nice weather destinations. It is, man. And everybody, <laughs> who doesn't want to take a trip out west in the middle of December? Right? No doubt. That's a, so. On Monday, Matt and I were joking, and we said that we should petition that the Steelers every December, right? Have they should play. List. They should play the Cardinals. They should play the Dolphins. Yes. They should play one of the teams from Texas. Yes. And they should play one so, of the teams from California so, every so December. I'm, I'm Texas or California team. Yeah, Arizona. Absolutely, man. (laughs) Or I guess maybe even like the New Orleans Saints, you could throw them in there in December. I'm not going to lie. It it sucked when I came back Monday morning. I got off that plane. I was like, yo, 
That's always the worst. That is this. That's always the worst oh, part about man. COVID. You and I were talking before the show about Hawaii and how yeah. my, my wife and I went to Hawaii for a week in uh in February in 2017 and it was the same. I mean, we when we got on the airplane, it was 13 degrees. When we landed in Hawaii, it was like 80-some, 90-some degrees. And then we take off from Hawaii, it's like 83 degrees. We land back, and it's like 11 degrees outside. You're like, oh, man, come on. Where's my winter coat? I need to bundle up here. But certainly a uh, just a heck of a takeover by Steeler Nation, uh, both from Western Pennsylvania and our, our displaced brethren, mm-hmm. Steeler fans. Uh, Arthur Motes, and I think one of the things we talked about ahead of the game was what we thought was going to be one of the biggest determining factors, right? The Steelers and their need to create splash on defense, to take the ball away, to put their offense in good situations, to take possessions away from the opposing team offense. And we talked about how that clashes with, while the Cardinals have certainly had their struggles on offense this year, one thing that they have done very well is take care of the football. Absolutely. Kyler Murray only had six interceptions in 12 games mm-hmm. as a rookie. That is a, as a rookie who has been running for his life and getting sacked all the time. And, and, and been throwing the ball a lot. And been throwing the ball a lot. Correct. That's a pretty, pretty impressive ratio there for Kyler Murray. But three interceptions, that Steelers defense, a big one by T.J. Watt in the red zone, a, a sealer by Joe Hayden at the end of the game. Arthur Motes, what was the uh, what was the biggest factor for this Steelers defense and to be able to take that splash playmaking on the road against a team who's stingy in that department, still do what they need to do and, and create that that splash, that turnover uh, for the Steelers to uh, to get out of there with a victory? Man, once again, the pass rush, the pressure that they were creating on Kyler Murray, they had him in a hostile environment. And the thing that I loved was this, the two Joe Hayden interceptions – you see the pressure in his face. Obviously, the last one, T.J. White's about to hit him, and he chucks it up there. Joe Hayden catches it. But because of the pressure they were providing all game, that's ultimately what led to the T.J. White interception because then they showed as if they were going to bring those guys. And when they dropped them back, now he doesn't know what's going on. He's seeing ghosts. And you see how his clock is sped up. And then, once again, I mean, just throws an interception. But the thing that I just love is how consistently when pass rush is there, I don't care who the quarterback is, turnovers mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. We talked about when the Steelers played Baker Mayfield and the Browns on Thursday and they yes. were not finishing their rushes, how Baker looked good. Here he's protecting the ball. Then we saw him on Sunday in Hinesville when they were creating that pressure on him, were finishing the rushes, how the turnovers happened. That's how it is with any quarterback you play. If you get those hits on him, if you make him have to move his feet, if you make them feel uncomfortable, the turnovers happen. That's just a product of it mm-hmm. because you speed their clock up. They have to operate a lot faster than which they would like to. And then for the secondary, they're in better positions because they're not having to cover for as long. So those are the things that I feel like are a direct correlation when it comes to the turnovers being created. And that's why it's so important as a defense that you have pass rushes. That's why it's a valued, a highly valued position, why they get paid typically the second most on the team behind the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Because those guys can change the outcome of games. You saw how Bud Dupree, you saw how T.J. Watt, you saw how Javon Hargrave, Cam Hayward were constantly after Kyler Murray, constantly making him have to escape the pocket, constantly never giving him time to set his feet and throw a ball comfortably. Those are the things that lead to those turnovers. Was it just me, and I don't know if you've really had a chance to break this down yet, but it appeared that they – lined up TJ and Bud just a little bit differently 
than they normally like it, it seemed like they were sitting a little bit further back a little bit more off the line of scrimmage than they usually line up and I, I wonder if that had something to do with Kyler Murray and his escapability and, and you alluded to some of the stuff we saw with Baker in the first game against the Browns and how they were unable to get after him and unable to, to create any turnovers did you see any adjustments in that department is that maybe part of the reason why too yeah, T.J. Watt didn't have a sack but he had that big interception yeah, I would have to check more so in terms of their alignment. But what I did see was them making sure that they stayed on his upfield shoulders. And sometimes this is what you could see as well. In terms of their alignment being adjusted, you notice the amount of times they had receivers or bodies in that tight end C-gap area. Yes, yes. So a lot of times that does lead to those guys either taking a step back or staying a little bit wider. Hmm. Because you know just by alignment – that body there won't allow you to have your typical get-off, which is like your first two to three steps off the ball, which TJ and Bud excel at. So by from offensive uh, offense's way to combat elite pass rushes, that you put extra bodies there, even though they don't have to successfully block them, sure. it slows them down a little bit. So that was some of the stuff that was definitely transpiring and definitely could have been adjusting their alignment a lot more. Like I said, I wasn't sure in terms of their depth, but I definitely saw multiple times with their width in terms of being heads up to a guy versus being a, a nine technique, which is essentially the outside eye of that guy. Mm-hmm. And hardly ever would they line up in a seven, which would be the inside eye, a seven technique, just because you're not able to have that burst off the line of scrimmage sure. just because it's somebody right in front of you. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But those are the things, man, that I was seeing. And like I said, they were disciplined. Very. In terms of never running past the quarterback, they got to uh, to the quarterback depth, and they were making sure they were uh, running their counter rushes or coming back inside. Gap integrity. Absolutely. And we saw the flip side of that with the Cardinals, them not do that on a couple of plays. And ultimately, Duck Hodges was mm-hmm. able to escape and have some really big plays on the ground and through the air. He was able but, to waddle his way to a couple first downs. <laughs> absolutely, but that's how it happens. It's like when you have mobile quarterbacks, and let's be real, Duck is nowhere near as mobile as Kyler Murray. But but he's still mobile. He's mobile enough, but the thing is this. When you are undisciplined in your rush lanes, a guy like Duck can carve you up on the ground. Yes. When you're undisciplined in your rush lanes, a guy like Kyler Murray oh. could carve you up. Josh Allen could carve you up. We saw that when they played the Cowboys on mm-hmm. Thursday night. Mm-hmm. But when you are disciplined, when you do stay in your rush lanes, when are, when you do make sure it's two guys on each side of this quarterback, when you make sure that if he's trying to escape the pocket, you stay on his outside upfield shoulder, those are all the details that keep quarterbacks boxed in that won't allow that athletic ability to take over a game. And ultimately, we saw the Steelers do a masterful job at that. And that was the thing that I was really impressed with from those guys. Forget about the sack numbers and who had more sacks and things like that. I just love to see how they were still rushing hard, but executing a game plan. And I think that goes to not only the coaching staff, but to those players, because a lot of times when you're out there, that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, it's like that vampire when he sees a little bit of blood, those teeth start to come <laughs> out. You're like, hey, hey, Mr. Sack. It's like a shark hey, with blood in the water. Absolutely. Like, you, you, you know you're not supposed to do but you can't help yourself. But those guys out there did a, just a masterful job at staying disciplined in that regard. So definitely want to tip my cap to them for that. Another position group, another pair of guys who were very disciplined and executed well, the secondary. I mean, mm-hmm. how about that game from Joe Hayden and Minka Fitzpatrick? 
Let's talk about that a little bit when we return. And we'll look at the offensive side of the football as well, too. All right, We know Mochi's a defensive guy. we got to spend most oh, of man. our time Let's giving love, love to the, to the o, defense. Get some love to the o today. But there's some guys on the other side of the ball that deserve some love here today as well. We'll continue to break down Cardinals, Steelers, what Mochi saw on Sunday out in the desert when we return. And we'll get to your reaction on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. TheBody. Inside the Electric Factor, you are listening to Euler and Motes on a Wednesday. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. It's been a season of splash for the Steelers' defense. Splash. Splash. But, man, Arthur Motes, these past couple weeks, a guy who's really jumped off the screen, jumped off the paper, jumped off the stat sheet, however you want to put it, eyeballs or analytically, Joe Hayden. Mm-hmm. Jump man, jump man, jump man. That's we that guy. we joked earlier in the season a lot about how he was helping Minka Fitzpatrick up his interception totals because <laughs> he was getting his hands on him but wasn't able to bring him in. Minka was finishing the job. Well, not these past two weeks, Motsi. Uh, Joe Hayden with with some big with three interceptions in the last two weeks. Yeah. Two of them at the end of the game. Big game, game sealers. Game sealers, yes, indeed. Uh, man, man, twenty three is uh is looking like his airness out there. Mm-hmm. And I love it. This is masterful. That's what Joe does, man. We talked about a couple years ago when he first came over and how we instantly could see how he upgraded the secondary. We instantly could see his level of preparation, his dedication to the game, his elite level athleticism. The thing that I love when I watch him, though, is not only does he have the athletic gifts in terms of the speed, the the lateral quickness, the hands, but mentally – I mean, when you watch him and Minka and how they communicate, how they play off each other. It's unbelievable. It really it's, is. It's just a beautiful sight to see. And that's the thing that I love and how they'll see a route combination early in the game, communicate it, and then when it comes back, they're on the exact same page and then one of them makes the play. Like, that's the type of stuff that sets good players apart from great, play- mm-hmm. great players because, like, he has all the physical tools, but seeing the mental element with it. The attention to detail. It's, it's, it's just beautiful. And I love how passionate he is because it was a time when he was in Cleveland where he didn't look as passionate. And, <laughs> and I can say from personal experience, when you're part of a losing organization, it's tough. It takes it, toll it on really you. Ju- it, it puts your love for the game to the test because – you're coming in every day knowing that you're not playing meaningful football in November and December. Yeah. You know that every game you go to, you're the underdog. It's just a rough feeling. But seeing him ever since he's come to Pittsburgh, he, he's like that the new kid. He just smiles. Everything is great. Like a new lease on life. Absolutely. He, he doesn't care about anything. Oh, it's a little cold. I don't care. It's a beautiful day in Pittsburgh. Oh, man, the food. Oh, I don't care. It's a beautiful day in Pittsburgh. Like, But the food's always outstanding. Well, absolutely. I mean, I mean that's top notch, second to none, undefeated in these streets. But – that's the thing that when you when I look at Joe, I'm just seeing a guy who just is enjoying football. He's just enjoying this time. He's enjoying this season, this moment. And, and that's the thing that's beautiful because it's rare that guys live in the moment. It's always what's next or planning ahead or they're they're thinking about a mistake or something that happened in the past. Like with him, he just looks like he's just enjoying each day. 
each opportunity. Yeah. And it shows when he plays on the field. You see how he's out there. He's excited all the time. He's making splash plays all the time. And he's just executing at such a high level this season. He really is. And I love how you mentioned that that attention to detail, that just nonstop film prep that guys like Hayden and guys like Minka Fitzpatrick that really takes great elite talents to the next level. And I think you saw that on the uh, on Joe's first interception against the Cardinals. It was a similar play. I think maybe the same play that the Cardinals had run in the first half. Joe clearly was able to snuff that out, jumped it the second time, and intercepted it. That is plain and simple, the result of film study. You saw that with Minka Fitzpatrick, too, mm-hmm. in the red zone on that play where Kyler Murray rolled out and rolled right into Minka. Uh, I'm sure Kyler Murray on that play thought he was going to have six, seven, eight yards of open space in front of him, and all I got to do is make one guy miss, and I'll be in the end zone like it's been all season. And he rolls out, and Minka Fitzpatrick has him broken down, and he's waiting to tackle him. It's the same. It's the result of something that those guys, you know, saw on film, detail, 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 and it clicked out there on the field. Yes, indeed. And that's just the thing, though. When you talk about that detail, when you talk about film study, when you talk about all the things that make a player a good player, they check all those boxes. And then you just factor in the athletic ability with it. (laughs) I mean, it's different when it's a six-round athlete versus a first-round athlete. Like, the the scale, the the level in between those two guys, like, it's just, it's, yeah, it's rare. I'm glad we're getting a chance to witness it in Pittsburgh. Me too. Typically, we, we talk about this with other teams. It's like, man, they got that type of combo out there. You know how bad you got to be to pick that high <laughs> back-to-back years? Like, But here in Pittsburgh, man, regardless of how they've acquired this talent on defense, man, all those guys on there in particular are just playing crazily right now. And they it's are. It's a sight to see. It has certainly been a lot of fun to watch. And suddenly, Motsi, yeah, there's some been some times that the offense has been fun to watch, too. And the special teams, how about that? The, uh, I can't believe we yes. made it 48 minutes into the show. and not Deontay Johnson, 85-yard touchdown return. Second Arthur longest putt return. It was like, wait a second. Steelers history. I've seen that fish. It's been a few years, but I've seen that fish before. A mm-hmm. special team splash. Yeah, wait a second. We're yeah. allowed to do that, too. Absolutely, man. That was beautiful. The thing that I also love when we talk about Deontay, not only – did he create that splash, the, the big touchdown for return, which definitely shouldn't go without being mentioned. But the thing that I was really impressed with him by was how he's improved his mechanics, ball security, securing the catch. We saw him fumble a punt earlier. We seen him struggle with ball security once he's acquired the punt. That game that we just saw, he was pretty much flawless in terms of his mechanics in terms of making sure when he's catching the punt he's keeping the ball inside the framework of his body elbows tight seeing the ball home then the ball security of okay if i'm going to be running with it make sure i got my good hand on it because some guys like to switch hands keep the ball to the sideline other guys just hold it tight in one dominant hand him understanding what his method is and him finding ways to protect the ball were the things that i was really impressed with now, him running back that punt, I mean, that just looked like when I was watching his tape when he was, what was it, Toledo? Toledo, yeah. Like, that's what it looked like. That play and the play where he reversed field in the red zone, where he catches the pass, steps back, cuts back. That was one of those, oh, no, what are you doing? What yeah. are you doing? Okay, go for it. Yeah, like, like, literally, that remind like, when I watched his tape out of Toledo, that's what he looked like. That's the type of stuff you would see from him, just him playing at a different gear, him making guys miss and just being a raw athlete. Yeah. 
No, that was that is a play that you see, you know, guys like Percy Harvin and Correct. Tavon Austin pull Correct. off in college, right? But yes. not in the NFL. Yes, <laughs> that, that was and, and I like how you threw in insane. Austin. Like, stop that. You know what Percy is. You could throw Percy Harvin because he's from the seven five seven, but no more Dovey who's you know Tavon Austin still holds the NCAA single game yardage record. Who, who was the better player? Where? Collegiate or NFL? Well, who got drafted higher in the NFL draft? Who was the better player? Collegiate in the or NFL, NFL, Percy Harvin. Who was better? In college? In who, college? Who got drafted higher coming out of who college? Who was the better player? Who got drafted higher coming who out of college? Who was the better Tavon player? Tavon Austin. No way. That's why he got drafted higher coming out no, of college. No, that's not why he got drafted higher. It was a bad year for the draft. That's <laughs> why. <laughs> Shoot, Gino Smith. Who's that? Although you talk to me a lot of times about longevity. I mean, okay, there you go. You get the longevity. I mean, Percy Harvin, nice little flash in the pan. I yeah. mean, that was that was a, a that was like a, a that was like a hibachi fire <laughs> in the pan. With the onions and the, vol- <laughs> and the volcano, and everything. <laughs> <laughs> flash in the pan. What? Uh, yeah, that flash in the pan showed up in the Super Bowl and en route to beating down the Broncos in New York City. <laughs> uh, oh man! But but sticking with wide receivers here. Not just Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Motsi, mm-hmm. week after week. I think you got to be – it continues, and you got to be encouraged by that and then to even take it a step further. Man, what this trio could do once they get a healthy juju back into the fold. Scary. Scary. Because we talk about how with James Washington, when he was once he started emerging a couple weeks ago, we said that, hey, it's going to come a time now where he's going to draw a lot more attention. Who's going to be the next guy? Then Deontay steps up. Now, just imagine when Juju gets back. Because right now, James Washington's been seeing a number one corner. Deontay's seeing a number two corner. Imagine when Juju comes back. Mm-hmm. Now that whole dynamic shifts. Mm-hmm. Now, James, instead of having the number one corner on you, now you got the number two guy, Deontay. Man, you got lunch meat out there on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? A nameless gray face. <laughs> That's a Scooby snack, lunch baby. Lunch meat. Yeah. So, like, those are things I'm thinking about. The disrespect. I, I just no, I know that's yeah, funny. That's good. Truth, I like though, that. Man. I like that. That's how you got to be thinking when you match up versus the non-main guy. Yeah, it's lunch meat. Yeah. So <laughs> when I'm thinking about this, I'm just getting excited because we see what Duck he's been able to do in terms of he's showing precision passes. Yes. He's taking care of the ball, and granted, he he's the type that has that's having to go out there right now and throw it 30 times for 300 yards. His 16 of 19, small but highly effective, highly efficient. And he's doing exactly what this team needs. He's doing exactly what this offense needs. He's making plays with his legs when he needs to, but he's he's a guy that can put them in a position to win. So if you add mm-hmm. Juju back to that element, it only makes that offense more scary now. They can really do some damage, and that's what I'm really excited about. Do you? I got to ask you this because – Man, I echo completely everything you just said about Duck and the potential excitement. But is there any part of you that worries that he could get a little too confident? I don't know if you heard where he called himself a gunslinger this past week. <laughs> Duck oh, did. That's his, that's his motto, and it, man. And he gets, you know, you get, you're having success with Deontay and James Washington, and hopefully you get Juju and James Conner back here. So is there any part of you that worries that, like, Duck, I love the confidence. Yes, we're going to need you to make plays, but we got to make sure, you know, at the same time, again, right, that that leash isn't getting a little bit too long, that we're still staying within our game plan of let the defense make plays, do enough on offense, don't hurt it. Is, is there any worry in your mind that maybe, you know, he could start to gunsling a little, a little too much? I'm not concerned, and here's why. First off, Coach Tomlin, 
great communicator, great motivator, great person that is able to relate to players. Hmm. You hear the tone and how Coach Tomlin, this is his first press conference where he actually gave Duck praise after a game. Remember before, so he didn't kill us. That's what his conversation was. He just didn't Correct. kill us. Yeah. He's the starter for it this week. He was very particular in the words that he used when referring to Duck. I think that he and Duck understand what they need from him. I think they both understand what they're going to ask of him. And even when you talk about Duck potentially starting to get too confident and wanting to throw it more, I don't think from a call standpoint they're going to put him in those situations. You hmm. saw on the, uh, after they had the, the big first down, Deontay Johnson, they're trying to run the clock out. It was another third down situation. Yeah. And they could have easily caught a pass play, which they probably would have. That's been. They might have done it if that was Mason. What did they do? Like, no, we're just going to hand this ball. We're going to get out of this down. We're not yeah. going to minimize you from the exposure, minimize you from the opportunity of that potential negative uh, negativity. Live to fight another day. Correct. You see it numerous times throughout the game. They pick it, they pick their spots when they want him to be aggressive, when they want him to take chances. And I think from a just a coaching standpoint, they will guard him in that regard because he doesn't have the same freedom as Ben does. We see Ben go to the line of scrimmage and change the whole play. You're not getting that from Duck right now. Like it's a pretty simple, these are your two plays, call one or the other. So, with that being the case, I think they'll be fine in terms of Duck. But with with Duck, you have to realize he's going to have that confidence. When you go from being undrafted, small school guy, released, brought back, talked bad about, yeah. Everyone's showing your signing bonus on national TV. (laughs) But when I tell you that you have to have an elite amount of confidence to make it here. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. I know I had to have confidence as a sixth rounder, so I know his has to be even further because yeah, I was you weren't, never, I was you weren't never cut, cut coming out of training camp. I was never undrafted. I'm like, you were undrafted and cut. Like, I know the small – I know the FCS ball. I know what your mindset like when you go there. But I'm like, you have to be on a whole nother level to be dealing with that. Seriously. It's impressive. Absolutely. And I think that's why with Duck, he plays so good right now. He's playing so well because he knows – that he wasn't supposed to be here. He knows that he's proven doubt is wrong every day. And ultimately, I think this team is going to make sure, in particular the coaches are going to make sure, that they put him in the best position to be successful. Yeah, I think so. And and obviously all these things go hand in hand, and the coaching staff has done just a phenomenal job of that so far. Yeah, and, and I'll take it a step further too. When we talk about just Duck and him potentially getting too confident wanting to throw the ball more, if there was ever a week to throw the ball more, wouldn't have been last week versus one of the worst-ranked pass defenses in the what, league. Second worst in the league? Third, second worst, Third I worst think, in the yes. league, something like that? I mean, that would have been – They're the, in the 30s. Right, right. <laughs> that's not 30, good. 31, or 32. That's not good. <laughs> not good. <laughs> so if you were going to throw the ball 25, 30 times on a team, that would have been the game. It's true. It's totally different this week versus Buffalo. Yeah, so that's a 180 flip right right there. (laughs) We'll get into that script a little bit more. Let's let's start hitting that ball off, all right? (laughs) And and, and Benny, I love you, baby. No turnovers. No turnovers. Can't have that. That's not good. No turnovers. That is not good. One hour in the books. When we come back, we will go inside the play. Arthur Motes will have a breakdown of a specific play or two from that Cardinals contest on Sunday. And we will start to look ahead a little bit at those Buffalo Bills and continue to uh, just have some fun.
in the electric factory here on a Wednesday. You already know the drill. On Twitter, at Wes Sealer, at the body 52 The body. Inside the play when we return into the electric factory. You're listening to Euler and Motes. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steeler Nation. How we doing? I'm cold. Well, that's good. Euler Remotes with you here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. One o'clock on a Wednesday. One hour in the books. Another to go. You already know the drill. You want to chime in. You can do so on the dot com. That is the Twitter.com, of course. At Wesley Euler. At the body 52. The body. We will wrap up with your reaction before we get out of here, Arthur Most. But Wednesday is usually the day, you know, that we... Put a ribbon, put a bow, a bow on the previous week. Start to look ahead to the Steelers' upcoming opponent. A big one for you, Arthur Motes. Ooh, I'm excited for Thursday and Friday's shows. It's Arthur Motes' two teams. I mean, the only way this could get any better is if we could find a way to get the JMU Dukes involved somehow. Well, they do play Friday on ESPN, too. Is that second round playoffs? Uh third actually they had a buy first okay, round. Okay, buy first round, so they did play a playoff yeah. game, right, last Six, week? Yeah, it won 66-21. I mean, would you guys, uh, you know, like, you know, you're like, uh, you know, like Al Equipa football playing double yeah, A all man. those years. I mean, you guys want to increase your competition level here a little bit? I it's mean, come a work on. in progress, man. A lot of a lot of the bigger schools don't really want that smoke for some reason. I don't know why. You know, West Virginia's willing. Yeah, I bet they don't want to run it back. <laughs> no, <laughs> certainly not. Basketball? You want to run it back nah, in basketball? Nah, we're, right? we're a football school. Know know where you are. You gotta know what you are. You know. <laughs> But one of the things that we like to do on Wednesdays, a uh, a deeper look back at some specifics from the Steelers' last opponent. Of course, you already know we call this inside the play. Which you got two for us today? Yeah, I got two of them. Thanks, one baby. offense, one defense. You know how we do. I like how you've been keeping it uniform this season. Hey man, you know? uni- unity, unity. You give the people what they want. You give the people what they expect. Come on, well, man. You talk about delivering. Listen, man, I'm not the superhero that y'all need. I'm the superhero that y'all want. You're like Omaha Steaks out you know here. You mean? just deliver yeah. goodness, baby. Let me, let me do what I do here. <laughs> So without further ado, <laughs> Arthur Motes was there in Arizona. In so this uh, this is going to be a good one. Are we are we okay here? Yeah. yeah, we're okay here. All right, I'm just making sure we're good. Sorry. <laughs> zip, 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 zip. This is going to be a good one. There we go. Arthur Motes, Arizona Cardinals edition. Time to go inside the play. Okay, you know what it's time for, and it's time to go inside the play. In the first play, I got to give love to the offense, in particular, Mr. Quack, Quack, Quack himself. And no, I'm not about to talk about the Deontay Johnson touchdown pass. No, that'll be too easy. What I want to talk about, ladies and gentlemen, is Mr. Doug Hodges. Fourth quarter, under two minutes. Well, excuse me, it was about to be two minutes left in the game. It's a third down play. He's extending the play. And the thing that I love was this. On the particular play, he could have easily, once he evaded the rush, could have easily ran the ball. But granted, he probably would have about six, eight yards tops, got tackled, and no first down. A lot of time would have been left on the clock. But what does he do? Once he scrambles, he keeps his eyes downfield to find a Deontay Johnson that was coming up the sideline and broke off his route. 
and hit him right and straight. It was just a beautiful connection between the two. It was beautiful in terms of their communication, understanding what the defense was trying to do. But I'll take it a step further because you know it's always layers to this thing. The Cardinals, from a pre-snap standpoint, were showing cover one, and it was a blitz look. So initially, they're trying to get the young quarterback to speed up his his process, speed up his read. Mm-hmm. And post-snap, they dropped to a basic cover three. Run a little pass rush game up front. But what Duck does, he sees that they're undisciplined in their rush lanes. If you pause the tape once the ball is snapped, they end up having three pass rushers on one side of the ball and one guy by himself running past him. Two, pass, two high pass quarterback depth. With that being the case, it left a massive hole for Duck to step up. And that's what ultimately gave him that option to be able to run or throw. And he just did a varsity play. That's varsity. When you're able to maneuver through the pocket, when you're able to know what they're trying to do from a pre-snap to post-snap standpoint, and when you're able to keep your eyes downfield while potentially having the opportunity to run the ball. Sure. But instead of running it, making the big-time play, hitting Deontay Johnson for the first down, that's that's varsity. That's what you love that's to see. That's above the line. No question, man. And you're seeing that constantly show up on Duck's tape. He's constantly making great decisions and putting the ball where it needs to be placed. So... That's why Duck and Deontay get that beautiful shadow on inside the play. Love it. Now, enough with all that offensive talk. <laughs> enough with all that, hey, I like y'all throwing and catching the ball. Let's talk about somebody else that caught the ball on Sunday. Let's talk about my brother from another, Mr. 9-0, Mr. T.J. What? Who says linebackers can't catch? Talk about it, baby. Now, we've seen this before. History did repeat itself. Now, granted, different call. But the same result. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I love was this, man. So we talked about early in the show how T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, had been providing so much pressure on Kyler Murray. So now, in this situation where they're in the red zone, goal to goal, or actually in the goal to go area, mm-hmm. they show the potential five-man rush. They show a look where, hey, T.J. still lined up as if he's about to come off the edge and holding that disguise like it's needed to be. But then post-snap, they drop to eight. And how... When we drop to an eight-man rush, you're only rushing three guys, so typically the quarterback has more time. Sure. But because of the fact that they have been providing pressure so much, because they held the disguise so good, Kyler looked at it as if I have to speed up my process. Similar to what we talked about Duck doing well, identifying, oh, they're showing blitz, but they're dropping out playing max coverage. Kyler did not do a good job of identifying that. Not good. And in turn, it was not good. So in turn, he starts rolling out, and instead of – Saying, okay, this isn't the pass to make. I probably should try to run it. He tries to throw the ball. He thought he had a guy. And TJ Watt steps in front of a beautiful hands catch. And if TJ wouldn't have made it, Terrell Edmonds was flying over there as well. So either way, it was going to be the same result. But that's what happens when you provide pressure. When you constantly providing pressure, now when you show it and then back up off of it, it makes those quarterbacks see ghosts. And when we talk about the history, We've seen this before where a Cardinals quarterback Ooh. throws it to a uh, Steelers linebacker <laughs> in a red zone situation. Hmm. Ultimately, a back-breaking turnover. Hmm. We've seen that before. We have? Yeah. yeah. Rather yeah. big stage, if I do recall. Yeah, I know. And it was just a beautiful thing to witness in person. And my shoulder still hurts from swinging my terrible towel. But that's why my man, man, TJ, gets the inside the play call, baby, because it was just beautiful. Look at that timing there with the music bed and everything. Look at you, Motsi. It's not my first rodeo. 
Great stuff there inside the play. T.J. Watt, Devlin Duck Hodges getting a little love from the body. Arthur Motes. Did you get into the, you know, you got the terrible towel. You're feeling, did you have to ice the shoulder up Sunday night? Yeah, ice the shoulder. Had to get the the warm tea on the vocals. It was crazy, bro. <laughs> yeah. I'm that's still how, recovering, man. It was rough. I, I was going to say, you know that you're a real fan. You know that you're really into it. I feel like the biggest indicator is your voice the next day. Yeah. I have never once in my life, and I never will, been able to talk the day after a WVU football game. Listen. I'm just, it's just not going to happen. The whole Sunday night after the game, the whole flight back, I'm over here trying to drink tea, it's eating cough like drops, like try, try, trying talk. to – I put a scarf on my neck like maybe that'll warm me up. Yeah. Guys, I can't talk. It's rough. I, but But you love it when it's happening, though. Loved every second of it. Uh, my second year at WVU was, or sorry, my last year at WVU was the second year in the Big 12. Ooh, the okay. first time Texas came to Morgantown. Mm. It was a Saturday night game yeah. that ended up going into overtime. Texas beat us in overtime. That's normal. The next day, no, it's not actually. <laughs> WVU is <laughs> five and three all time against Texas, so it's all not right, normal. All right, all right. Um, the next day, I was the my senior year. I was the like the play by play guy, like the voice of the WVU hockey team. Oh man, we played Pitt the next day in hockey <sighs> at like. One o'clock, two o'clock in the oh, afternoon. That's not a quick. That's not enough recoveries, huh? I, 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 like I legit could not do the broadcast. Yeah. So the girl who was my uh, color commentator, her name was Emily Dedman. Um, she works for a news station now in Virginia Beach, actually. Oh, seven five seven. Okay. Um, shout out. Uh, I, I texted Emily like an hour or two before the game. I was like, "You got to do the play by play." I was like, I, can, "I, there's no." I was like, "I can do color. Like I can talk a little bit." Yeah. But I was like, "There's no way that I can do play by play for this game." Bro, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. I was over here like, "Man, I got to talk a lot this week." That's when you know you do it the right way, though. Is when you're worried about, "All right, how am I doing the rest hey. of this week?" It's like after the um, Browns game. Mm-hmm. That next Monday morning, the DVE morning show had Billy Gardell in, yeah. and he couldn't talk. I mean, he couldn't yeah. talk because he was at the Steelers-Browns game. It's and- like, hey, man, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I'm giving you what I got. I'm just being a fan here. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm recovering right now. I'm limited. You know how you say, hey, hey, you got another game coming up, so let me. I'm limited. <laughs> I might be a full participant come Friday, yeah. but I'm limited right now. Man. I don't know if you remember this. Last year, WVU played a home game on a Thursday, mm. and you and I had a show on a Friday. Mm-hmm. And that whole game, now granted, WVU played Baylor, and it was 42-3 to at halftime, I think. You know, like WVU smoked Baylor, so it wasn't like yeah. the, t- the team didn't necessarily need my support. Right. <laughs> but the whole, like, first quarter and first half, I'm, like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, all right, don't scream too much. you got to do a radio show in, like, 14 hours. <laughs> Keep try, your vocals together. <laughs> I try, but I can't control myself, man. Me either. Anytime it's one of those like critical third down situations, I'm absolutely going. I'm nuts. up and I'm screaming and I'm clapping. I'm going nuts. Let's go, baby! And, and, and because it's like I think it'd be different when my guys who I played with aren't on the team anymore. Oh yeah, but like right now, when I see Bud, when I see TJ, when I right. see Dangerfield, Joe. Right, I see these dudes. I'm like, yo, these are my guys. Like, we done been to battle. We done bled together. Yeah, like it's and a like, whole. Let's go! Come on, level. I know you guys got this in you. Right. Let's go. I see Boss at the field. I'm like, yo, I like. You're my guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. And how about shout out Chris Boswell? Oh, absolutely, man. He He's turned it around, and, and you can just see. He didn't want to use the excuse of the injury last year, but it's a direct correlation. You saw why he I was mean, hurt. Has, he wasn't the same. Be, right? Whereas now, a healthy boss, he's money. This is why he's the wizard of boss. This is, this is the guy that we love in Pittsburgh. And this relates to, I think, to a lot of the stuff that we talked about in the first segment, right? Mm-hmm. And the patience. And, and 
having a game plan and Correct. always sticking to what your belief system is and, and not veering from that, right, and not making panic moves mm-hmm. or, or panic signings or panic cutting. Chris Boswell last year, uh, the Steelers could have cut him many times last year and no nobody question. would have batted an eye. Nope. No one would have batted an eye. In fact, a lot of people would have been celebrating the fact yeah. that they cut him. It, 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 it speaks to their process again that they know what this guy's capable of. They know what they have in him. Mm-hmm. Stay the course. Him, trust your process. Him, him and uh, Jordan Berry, man, have been just yeah. doing massive Jordan Berry as well, season. too. It's wild. I mean, it's funny that we talk about Boz. I actually ran into Jeff Reed. Did you really? <laughs> and I'm just like, Yo. uh, he's always around, and there's a good time to be had. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, I'm starting to think I like you kickers. Y'all are fun to be around. We just leave it at that. Most of you're doing a 180 on kickers. We got to get you around Pat McAfee, and then, right, and right, then right. see how you feel about I'm kickers. Like, I'm like, you guys are actually pretty <laughs> cool. Like, you guys aren't too yeah. bad. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. When we come back, it's time to embrace debate. Best of Uh-oh. the West. Who Uh-oh. are the top ten teams as it stands right now in the National Football League? We'll tell you when we return. Inside the Electric Factory, you are listening to Euler and Moats. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Get your tweets in now. We will wrap up the show as we always do with your questions, comments, concerns, your reaction at Wesley Euler at the body 52. But before we get there, time for a little best of the West. Always. Our favorite thing on Wednesdays, Moats and Uh I embrace debate. Uh Uh-oh. It's a real simple concept. Is it really, though? Top 10 teams in the National Football League, and then we usually give our our next one or two receiving votes as well, too. And then we debate it. Should be interesting today. We always start at the top of the list, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I like to defy conventional wisdom. Is someone whose last name starts with a U, right? I would always, you know, everybody always starts at the front of the line, and I gotta wait till the very end. Well, with these power rankings, everybody always starts at the back. They always doubt you. We start at the we start at the front. Your respect. And the same team who's been sitting on uh, at the number one spot for a few weeks here, fresh off a big win against your boys on the road. Oh yeah. But with a little question now, the uh, the health of the quarterback Lamar Jackson. With so the you're leg. telling me there's a chance? But I still, until I see it actually play <laughs> out in person on a field, I still got the Ravens at number one. All right. Number two, the San Francisco 49ers. Finally, we, we talked a lot about this team. The only two games they had lost had been on last play field goals, one to the Seahawks and one to the I'm drawing a blank. Uh. Oh, the uh, Niners. Seattle. I mean, uh, Ravens, Ravens. And Ravens. Seahawks correct, and Ravens. Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Seahawks and Ravens, those are the only two games they lost were on last play field goals. Well, Motsi, guess what? Finally, they got to do the laughing at the very end. This did those Did those 49ers. Um, still, you know, skeptical with Jimmy G, but the rest of that team. Man, and how about, my goodness, Arthur Motes, that play that George Kittle made to get them into field goal. <laughs> you kidding me? Yeah, right. Like, are you kidding me? That's crazy. That's the most grown man thing I've seen on a football crazy. field since Marshawn Lynch went on beast mode yeah. all over this. It's funny. This both happened against the same opponent, against yeah. the Saints. It's like that sometimes. And sometimes it just be like that. In a, in a game, too, the Niners and the Saints that 
It turned into a bit of a, a shootout. I don't know if everybody was expecting that one. But the Niners get out of the uh, the Superdome, the Thunderdome, a hard place to play down in New Orleans. They get out of there with a W. And for that reason, I've got them at number two. Number three, I do have those New Orleans Saints fresh on their heels. Uh, I mean, you saw it right there. A back-and-forth game could have gone either way. If the Saints end up winning that one, I've got them at number two on the list. But they came up short. I've got them at number three. Still a lot to feel good about there for that team, mm-hmm. though. Uh, both of those teams, the Niners and the Saints, their defenses are better than what they showed on Sunday. Uh, but I think you're encouraged by both of those guys, the offensive, both of those teams, pardon me, the what their offenses were able to do against another stout defense. So for now, Ravens 1, Niners 2, Saints 3. Then for me, it started to get really difficult. Like, mm-hmm. I feel good about that top three. Yes. I imagine you'll probably have those same teams in your top three. Maybe a little switching of order there. But I feel really good about those top three. I think right now I'd put a little, like, not a huge gap, but I would say there's a gap there at the top three from everybody else for me. There's five teams that I honestly considered putting here at four. Uh, but I'm going to stick with the Seahawks. I know that they had a tough one against the Rams. They lose by two scores to the Rams in L.A. last week, but the Rams are playing really good football. They are right now, they, aren't they? That's <laughs> the crazy part. My goodness. Like, they're, they're, the Rams are one of those teams. What has happened to them? I don't know if they're going to be able to find a way to sneak in, Motsi, but if they could, they'll be that team they're, that nobody, nobody in the NFC wants to imagine see. Imagine a team from the NFC East winning their division. Right. Obviously, they're going to probably have a losing record, and the Rams come into town. Right. Like, that's man. Good luck. Yeah. Godspeed. It's not good. Not good. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. So I'm gonna keep the Seahawks at four. Uh, they came up on the short end of the stick, but I like still what they have going on for them more than a couple of these teams that I have behind them. So I still have the Seahawks at four as long as Russell Wilson's healthy. I've got uh, Seattle at four. Number five. Moving on up. Moving on up. Moving on up. Moving on up. Kansas City Chiefs. All right, bro, hold on. The Kansas no, 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 no. Like, City like, Chiefs. Give me a second, for real. Did you look at my list? No. Why are we we close? We that's a- no. Like all just aside, we are identical right now. Really? This has never happened. Before. I know. That's what I'm looking like. Yo, did you? Were we you made peeking it, on my? We stuff, made it bro? through a top five. Are you peeking on my list? No, I for real think you're peeking this, on my paper. This segment's like, called the best of the West. All right, this you is pe- crazy. You stealing on me? No, 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 like we never, never agree, never. And I'm just looking like when you said the Seahawks, I'm like, what, what? Like, oh, wow. But that's higher than you've had them recently, the Seahawks. I know. Did and you? the Chiefs, too. But come on, you knew I couldn't put the Seahawks ahead of the Niners and Saints after what happened last week. Yeah, but just like how you have them ranked, that's crazy. That is crazy. I got the Chiefs at five. <laughs> uh, they are the team right now, maybe along with the Rams a little bit, but the Chiefs are going to make the playoffs for sure. Yeah. That no one's talking about that's playing really good football. Very true. Um, Matt Williamson called it on Friday on the show when he was in for you. Mm-hmm. Matt Williamson said the Chiefs are going to beat. The Patriots. Patriots yeah. Matt Williams has said, I'm taking a money line. Fox bet. Download, like make it. the call. Download the app. I'm taking them. Uh, and listen, there was a lot of minutia in there. It was. Some things that went against the Patriots, but nobody, none of the other 31 fan bases are shedding a tear for come that on, team, man, particularly in the all. wake of some of this stuff that's come out this week, Motsi. All that videotaping y'all doing. Should have been videotaping mm. the Chiefs. Let's talk about that again here in a minute once we get through these lists. <laughs> Should have been videotaping the Chiefs. Right. I've got the Chiefs at... Number five. And then, honestly, it gets even more difficult for me after this position. Uh, Number six, I've got the Vikings. For the first time this year, I've put them ahead of the Packers. First Mm -hmm. time. 
Wow. I can't believe I did it. Wow. I can't believe it. I hope Aaron Rodgers isn't listening right now. Right. I just, listen, the Packers' defense isn't hasn't been as good as it was in the first half of the season. Correct. The Packers' run game hasn't been as good in the first uh, in this second half as it has been mm-hmm. in the first half of the season. And Aaron Rodgers is still hot and cold out there. Very. I, he, he's still a mixed bag. He looks really good sometimes. He looks like. Not good sometimes. Not good. He looks like. The, come on. You're not Aaron Rodgers. What, what are you doing here? Who is this imposter? Um, but, again, I. So I've got the Vikings six. I've got the Packers seven. I I I still with the question marks that the Packers have, I I favor their question marks over some of the teams behind them. Number eight, I've got the Buffalo Bills. I've got your Buffalo Bills. Hey, I, they're a hard team for me to put my finger on the pulse of. I I really like their defense. I think they're capable on offense. Um, but I've also seen them come up on the short end. You know, in in a lot of these games against some of the upper echelon talent. I'm still reserved. I think they're definitely going to make a playoff, play, make the playoffs. I think they're definitely going to get double-digit wins. Uh, and to be fair, right, you and I both picked them to go to the playoffs before yes. the season started. So right in here is about where I expected the Bills to be. I've got them at number eight. At number nine, making their highest appearance of the season, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm, okay. And at number 10, the previously mentioned Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they lost to the Steelers head-to-head, so I couldn't wow. have them any higher than that. I've got the Rams at 10 right now. Wow. I know. I thought about moving them up. I thought about moving them a little bit further up I'm the not list. wowing that. You know what I'm wowing. The fact that uh, – and then I'd have the Titans at 11, and I'd have the Texans wow. at 12. Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. Okay. So no Patriots on your list? No Patriots on my list? Not even in the top 12 or 13? No, I mean, you I, said Rams, I Titans, know, and I Texans. Know, I know. I'm, I'm, or excuse me, you said I'm trying to get you going. I no, I would, I would have oh. the, I would have the Patriots. I did leave the Patriots off this list. You did. Um, wow, wow. Number eight. <laughs> but I don't have them on my list today. Because Whoa. everything they've done up to this point in the season has been because they're videotaping everybody's practices oh, and, and wow. sidelines and all the best teams they've played all year they've lost. Wow. All the best teams they've only played, what, three? Chiefs, yeah. Texans, and, and Ravens. Well, I guess that's true, Texans. What, what's going on with the Texans? I don't know. They look good, then they look bad. What's going on? No, then they okay. look really good, then they look really bad. I got the Patriots at eight. Bills, nine. Steelers, ten. Rams, eleven. All right, so now I gotta adjust. What I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you going here. Holy! See, I, keep, I, I thought keep I was you on your tripping. Trip. I'm looking like, yeah, you're. All right, so no, but I am moving the Patriots way down my list. So you got Pats, Bills at nine, Steelers at ten. And honestly, I might all even right. put the Bills ahead of the Patriots right now. But right. we'll. I guess we'll see. We'll see that it's soon. Next next week. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Arthur Motes. We already know your top five is the same as me. Yeah. Uh, I want your explanation, though, <coughs> for your ranking of the Seahawks and the Chiefs, two yeah. teams that well, you actually, haven't I'm, been I'm, so high on. I got you. I'm going to go through the whole okay. thing. Okay. So obviously, the Ravens they still stay number one until mm-hmm. we see somebody knock them off. They're going to be that. I don't care what they say about Lamar's health until I see them go out there and not look like the Ravens that have won a, what eleven in a row now. Mm-hmm. They're going to be my number one team. Yeah, the Niners. The Niners obviously they were in a shootout with the Saints, but that was my first time really seeing them put up points like that. And I think that was like special for me to see because a lot of times they struggle to score. They won games ugly, yes, super ugly. But to see them put up what forty plus points to get a dub, that's that's tough. So they get the number two seed, obviously. The Saints, 
just because they were on the short end yeah. of that game doesn't mean that you you get slighted. You stay at number three. Oh yeah, because yeah, that was still masterful. Do you agree with me? Do you see those three teams as again, like I said, not it's a space, substan- no, no, like, like, a, like a half step ahead of the rest? Yeah, because those are the three most complete teams. I think so. With too. the Seahawks being at four, we talked about how that team is Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. Their defense is nowhere near what it used to be. Their offense is, I don't want to say trash, but. They've had they're, they're, they've got they're the run game going cold. a little bit, but they're very hot yes. and cold. Yes, yeah, because Chris Carson has actually been like Chris Carson. Chris out. Carson's been good, but yeah. uh, Josh Gordon's hit or miss. Correct. DK Metcalf's hit or miss. Tyler Lockett yeah. hit or miss, and their protection is hit or miss as well. Yeah, so that's why I think it's a drop off. But the Seahawks still get the four seed. The Chiefs. The reason I have them at five though is this: when I when we talked about early in the season, we knew Patrick Mahomes when he was healthy, they were elite. Then when he got hurt, we saw how they f- they faltered a little bit. They didn't look the same. Now we're seeing him back a couple weeks removed from the knee injury and things like that, and he's back to his old ways. He's back to leading those guys, keeping them excited. Their defense is actually playing well. And those are the things that when I see them makes me say, okay, now they can get back into that conversation. Mm-hmm. Because let's be real, if Mahomes doesn't get hurt, are they really sitting at where they're sitting at from a record standpoint? No. No, they'd have a they'd be they'd have another win or two easily. Yeah, easily. Yeah. So for me, that's why I'm like, okay, now I can get back on it because I've seen enough of it coming back. To okay, Mahomes is still that guy, and their defense is looking better and better every yeah. week as the seasons progress. They've gotten a lot better. They're playing with a lot more confidence. They're looking good, and that's the thing that I like to see. And they have guys over there. I mean, in terms of their pass rushes, in oh, terms sure. of the secondary, they got people in place over there. But sometimes that's how it is. Sometimes you need some weeks. Sometimes you have to go through some adversity. I was a part of some Steelers defenses where we would start out crazy slow. And then before you know what you look up and it's like, oh, man, y'all guys actually statistically have done some some mm-hmm. pretty awesome things here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's going on with the Chiefs right now. So that's why I had to move them back up so high into that five uh, that five. It's the highest we've both had them since yeah. like the first week or two of the season. Absolutely. So at six you had the Vikings. This is where I have the Packers at. Ooh. Even yeah, yeah, man. I still with Aaron Rodgers. I, I can't kick him for some reason. Now you sounded like me. Yeah, I know, I know, and that's how I was about <laughs> Kirk Cousins. But but Kirk, he he he, you know how Kirk do. He, he he treat me nice, then he hurt me sometimes. But with Aaron Rodgers, I'm like, you know what? I, I still know when you're hot, you're hot. And that Packers defense, granted, they're slowing down a little bit. But I still feel like that can still carry over. That can win you games. And that's why I have to have them at six. Now, at seven was where you had the Packers. This is why I have my old Buffalo Bills. Bills? I didn't want to say my Bills because it's yeah, like. not this week. Not this week. It's, it's can't say that. <laughs> but it's why I have the Buffalo Bills there because even though they lost to Baltimore, they still played them extremely tough. They still have been hot. And they're sitting at nine wins. Chance to get 10. They're going to have one of their first Sunday night football games in like, what, 10 years? It's crazy. Has it really been that long? It's, it might be longer, honestly. Wow. Yeah. But they're playing inspired ball. They're playing, they're, I mean, obviously their defense is was mostly talked about, but Josh Allen, he's been protecting the ball. He's been a, a, a lot more accurate, a lot more efficient with the ball. And those are the things that are helping them be successful. So that's why I have them at seven. At eight, you had the Patriots after you revised your list. <laughs> This is why I have the Steelers at. I think, man, Ooh. with when you're watching them play with Duck out there, they play more inspired. They they operate a lot more efficiently, and they take shots down the field. That's what we weren't seeing from Mason Rudolph. Yeah, uh, I think that the emergence of James Washington, the emergence of Deontay Johnson, have all helped them from a scoring threat standpoint. 
And then the defense just continues to get better each week, which is crazy to think about. How could they get better when they already are so good? Especially but, in the absence of Stephon Tuitt. Correct, but they're just finding ways to continue to generate a ton of pressure and sacks. They're continuing to capitalize on quarterbacks' errors, and they're ultimately making teams turn the ball over. So for me, that's why the Steelers are at 8. At 9, you have the Buffalo Bills. That's why I have the New England Patriots. Lowest I've had them all season. Um I'm just to the point now that we're starting to see that defense, first off, was really a product of their schedule early on, where they looked like they could be one of the best defenses ever. Now we're seeing them versus stiffer competition. Mm-hmm. It's not looking so dominant. Mm-mm. Offensively, they just, I mean, they're hurting their receivers. Yeah. Nikhil Harry is, is about a year away. Julian Edelman, I mean, he's their best threat, but without – another weapon around him is not the same. Muhammad Sanu hasn't really got up to speed up there yet. No running game, pretty much. So, those are the things that is causing that offense to struggle. But, they still are the Patriots, and they still are finding ways to win. So, even though they got beat by a Chiefs team that's really good, I think, I still have to keep them in the top 10. So, that's okay. what they're at 9. And then at 10, you had the Steelers. Steelers already on my list. This is where I put the Texans at. I thought about the Titans. Ooh. I thought about the Titans. I really did. But, for me... <laughs> I, I like what Derrick Henry's doing. One of the best, like, just pure running backs. Not pass-catching oh, backs, but just pure running backs yeah. in the league. Ryan Tannehill's playing some of his best ball of his career. That defense is really good down there as well. But for me, I think the Texans are the more complete team, even though they get inconsistent at times. They're think, very inconsistent. I think when they're highly, when they're motivated and they are in matchups that are big for them, that they view as big, they find ways to get the job done. I think the Colts game, you think about the Patriots game, obviously. Those are the type of games that you see from them more times than not. And I think from a quarterback standpoint, when I'm comparing the Titans, when I'm comparing the Vikings and the Rams, give me Deshaun Watson. When I'm comparing those defenses, I still think that Texas defense can make a lot of noise going forward, man. So for me, that's why I have them at 10. No then, Minnesota Vikings in your top 10, huh? Nah, man. Kirk, I, I told you, man. I, I Hey. Me and Kirk, we got a short leash together, all right? I mean, you had him at like five or six last week, so that's a real short leash. Yeah, it's a short leash, bro. It's kind of like when Coach Tomlin talked about Duck not killing us. And he was <laughs> he's a starter this week. Me and Kirk were in a relationship last week. Now now it's complicated. <laughs> uh, Rams, Vikings, or Titans have, of the teams you left out? Rams, okay. Vikings, then Titans. Then Titans? Yeah. Okay. Rams are hot right now. Rams <laughs> are scary hot. They sure are. It's just their record is... Just not very appeasing. Yeah, which is why I can't put them in that it's ten. It's tough yet. in that division. It is and in the NFC. It is. I mean, that's the thing, ten though. and six probably doesn't get them in. But, but we said that about a couple of teams in the NFC. You put them in the AFC, and they might be a one or two seed. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it really is. But then again, at the same time, right? We talk about the Rams and how good they're playing. They still lost to the Steelers, right? But who are in that same Steelers kind of wild but, card but, position? But the Steelers are what they, they realistically could end up with ten wins. Oh yeah, like that's not far fetched. I think they should end up with 10 wins. Strong possibility. It'd be debatable. Let's see how it all plays out. We'll see. There's your best of the West on a Wednesday. Wow, Arthur so Motes and I 10? with the same top five. I can see again, 10. That's never going to happen again, us having the same top yeah, five. That's, yeah. en- enjoy it while you can. Write this that's down. That's a Christmas miracle right note, there. Note this for your history books. It will <laughs> never happen again. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show with your questions, with your reaction. We got a whole bunch here. If you want to get them in, you got another few minutes to do so here at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. Inside the Electric Factory, you're listening to Euler Remotes. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR.
This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. All right, full transparency, okay? Yeah, I forgot the Patriots in the last segment. <laughs> Honest to the But you know what? Player. Shout out. Forget it. I'm cool. I'm cool with leaving the Patriots out. I'm out on the Patriots, all right? I know we, we told this line every year of all, be careful. Be careful now because this is just about when the Patriots start proving everybody wrong. It's not happening this year. That offense stinks. Tom Brady's not nearly as good as he used to be, and he's got no help. The defense is overrated, and they got caught cheating again. I'm out. I'm out on the Patriots. I got him like 29th on my best of the West rankings. <laughs> Get it off your chest, man. Get it off your chest, Let's go to the Twitter. Let's go to the (laughs) Twitter.com here, Motsi, and wrap up the program. Gregory asks, after watching Buffalo and Baltimore last week, I have one question. Who currently has the most elite defense, Buffalo, Baltimore, or the Pittsburgh Steelers? Mm, That's tough. That is tough. (sighs) If I had to rank them. For me, partially because I'm a little biased. I'm going Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Buffalo. Okay. But Buffalo and Baltimore, I could easily switch. I think I would go Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Baltimore, I think. Because I feel like talent-wise, Buffalo has a lot more talent on defense across the board than, say, a Baltimore. But with Baltimore, I mean, the thing is, I need to see Baltimore in a situation where they might be trailing or they, they can't just go out there and feel comfortable knowing that they're going to be ahead the whole time. Right. The offense is killing so much clock. Whereas Buffalo and Pittsburgh are almost identical in terms of they, how they win. They, they know it. they have to play well right. for their team to win. And I think that's the difference. Like with Baltimore, they know they can drop some points. They can allow some points because they have an offense that can score. They have an offense that can control the clock. So for me, I probably would switch Buffalo. I'll, I'll put okay. Buffalo at two, Ravens at three. I think that's because where I would that. go. Now that I'm thinking about it more. But I got the Steelers number one. Yeah, I think black and gold glasses are not. Well, yeah, I think, man, when you look at the amount of turnovers they forced, the sacks they forced, they haven't allowed a hundred yard rusher. I mean, the list goes on and on of what they've been able to accomplish, and this is all with the carousel of quarterbacks that they've used this season. I think when you factor in all of those things, that has to put them up there in that elite level category as the best ranked defense in the league. Eddie talking about the Wizard of Boz and asking if he's our most improved player this year. I don't know if most improved is the term that I would use because we've seen him be really good before, Mm -hmm. but I would certainly say he's been the comeback player for the Steelers of the year without question. Yeah, I think if we talk most improved, it would have to be Bud Dupree just because he's finally putting everything together and starting Mm -hmm. to get home at a higher rate. Should be 10-plus sacks. Hopefully we'll see Elias, which is the – the stat statistician company. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they make the proper corrections and adjustments. <laughs> but I know you're a little upset about I that. I am, man. Yeah, but with uh with Boz though, man, he he's done just an awesome job this season. Um, you seeing him come back from the injury, from the adversity that he faced, from the organization basically giving him an ultimatum: either non guarantee your money throughout the off season, or we will release you. And he had to bet on himself and compete, and he felt extremely confident in his abilities and. It all worked out, and now you're seeing him have a type of season that he's capable of having that we all became accustomed to him having. So that's the thing that I'm definitely most proud of when we're talking about Boz. Mark mentions Coach Tomlin using the five-star matchup line. You used it twice in the last few days. used it Sunday in the postgame. 
uh, talking about the Bills in a five-star matchup, and then he used it yesterday in his press conference talking about Sunday night football five-star matchup, baby. I'm gonna have to cut up a new a new drop there. We might have to add some hey, add man. some Coach T to the I, drop. I like it. Well, because it's the thing, man. Obviously, I'm a uh, Coach Tomlin descendant, <laughs> and this is something he will always talk to us about daily in some of these bigger matchups. Mm-hmm. Just the the importance, the significance of the five-star. He even put it on his PowerPoint presentation when he's doing the, the intro for the week, so it just rolls and sticks with us. But we also know that Coach Tomlin has to be a huge fan of the show. Let's be real about oh, it. Oh, he tunes listens in. every day. Uh, anytime they're not at practice and he's done watching film, he listens to us. If he doesn't <laughs> listen to us live, he checks our podcast out. That's right. Steelers, Steelers Blitz, Blitz with a Z. With a Z. Like Zach. Like Zlatan? Like Zoltan? Zoltan, yeah. Or like Zachary Banner because he's always eligible. I like that. You see, I just I had like to change that. it up a little bit. Thrash Metal Guy says. Oh, my guy. Our buddy. Yeah, man. Virginia's finest. Uh... Asked if we've seen or heard talks of Ryan Tannehill jumping Russell Wilson in the MVP discussion. I have not, but that's bollocks. Yeah, I can't go with that one. I mean, don't get me wrong. Ryan Tannehill has been huge for the Titans and getting them back I'm, in the I'm race. Not but going that rabbit hole. Nah, man. Russell Wilson's been great all season, not just for the last month or so here. But but I don't think that either one of them are tops in the MVP race. If we're going to really talk about it. Lamar? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I don't think it's close. Yeah. Period. But I would put Russell at two. A distant two. But number two. A distant two. Number two. A distant two. Well, you know what they say. First is the worst. Second is the best. No, they say if you ain't first, you last. Elijah, the sneaker goat. It's been a long time Shout since out. we've heard Shout from the out. sneaker goat. And he says that. It's been a while, bro. So do yeah. you and Moats consider Hodges an NFL quarterback now that he's won just uh, just as many games west of the Rockies as, or one, sorry, won just as many games as number seven this season. Uh, not saying he's won anything yet in the grand scheme of things, but the team loves playing with and for him. And he also says, "I'm waiting on those 11s to drop." I'm assuming the he's breads. talking about the breads that come out this week, uh, this week, this weekend. Yeah, Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Yeah. No, Saturday, 9 a.m. The Eastern Air time. Jordan 11 breads. Our buddy Sneaker Goat had to get in the. The sneaker talk there. Yeah, I know. Mozi. Well, you already have a pair of those. I do. So I can't say that you're waiting on them to drop because you, you yeah, probably already I, have two I, pairs of those, already, don't you? I already, got, I already got my OG breads. I, that, when, I, when they dropped, was it, uh, was it been, what, 13? 2013 or 2012? Yeah, 12 or 13. No, it was 12 because the Gammas came out in 13. Okay. Yeah, but for me, man, yeah, I copped them there for me and Wifey, and yeah, I love them shoes. Elijah, I have considered Hodges an NFL quarterback for a while. Yeah, absolutely. I think the real question is, you know, is do you see him? Is he the type of guy that could, you know, be on an NFL roster for the next 10 years? Correct. I think, we, you know, you still want to see a bigger body of work, can, can but he, he has be, shown that he belongs without a doubt. Right. And I think another question is, can you win a championship with him as your main quarterback? Can he be the guy mm-hmm. that you can build a roster around? Could he make enough plays? Correct. That's the That'll be the new conversation surrounding him as he continues to progress throughout his career. But in terms of him being an NFL quarterback, I think he's definitely shown that. What Jew Ben Hayden foe? Get it? Like what you've been hating for? I what like Jew Ben Hayden foe? Uh, how about the Steelers tightening up? Only four penalties for 15 yards on Sunday. Major improvement. Yeah, they've been great in that department. <laughs> really, the whole back half of the season. Yes, indeed, man. I think that that's something that they're doing in terms of 
cleaning up their game in terms of being in the right position, in terms of knowing the rules. I mean, the thing that stood out to me, I think about the Deontay Johnson punt return, and you'll see Benny Snell, you'll see, I think it was Johnny Holton and Tyler Matikadovich all through were in positions, or no, not not uh, Johnny Holton, uh, Robert Spillane were all in mm-hmm. position to make cracked back blocks, blocks that could potentially have been viewed as uh, personal fouls for helmet-to-helmet contact, hitting a defensive, uh, a defensive player. But all three of them used the proper technique to just scrape paint and just basically shield their 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 guys from making that play on Deontay. So I thought that that was good, and that shows again with them protecting uh, their penalties and stuff like that, not having penalties. Excuse me. Last but surely not least, we got some tweets about our voices and the song we sing on Fridays. Jeff says, "Please no straining the pipes. We need you at your best on Friday for the Here We Go <laughs> song." And a Steelers fan, four one two Steelers fan on Twitter. A St- I like that name. A Steelers fan. It just sounds hey, funny to say Steelers out loud. Fan. A Steelers fan says, uh, if we need a new Steelers song for this week, try this one. And it's the the uh, the Pittsburgh Polka. You know what I'm talking about? The, We're from the town with the great football team. Which are the Pittsburgh Steelers. Interesting. Listen, A Steelers fan, 412 Steelers fan. We're going to ride with the here we go until it betrays us. Right? We're at a what six and one seven and one record now with yeah. the here we go song, so we're gonna stick with that. Well, and, and I'll say, I say, but I do true, like truth. you throwing some some music into the loop. It could it could be used in the future, but we're gonna stick with here well, we go. And for I now. was gonna say, true moment. Uh, it takes a little while for those traditional Steelers songs like that to to wear on me, man. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it takes a little bit of time. All right, I I, I personally like our remixes a lot better than most, the originals. Most, most. If, if I got a full transparency here. <laughs> Most likes the juice that we be bringing, and we oh, won't do that man. on Fridays. Tomorrow, jam-packed show as well. We'll have Brian Backo from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. It's also three-question Thursday, and we will really start to look ahead to the Steelers against the Buffalo Bills Sunday night in primetime at Heinz Field. That'll do it for today's show. Thanks to Jacob for producing. Thanks to everybody, the Electric Factory, the Power Grid, the Megawatts, everybody who tweeted us in. You know we appreciate it as always. We'll talk to you in tomorrow, same time, same place, high noon as always on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio.